Why has the suicide rate in Utah increased almost 50% in the last few years? Bishop Earl and I will talk about that next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Recent news articles have shown that Utah's suicide rate has increased almost 50% in recent years, and we ask the question, why is that? Although local news and some professionals have suggested several answers to the question, and one of them that we live in a high altitude, <laughs> which kind of expects the brain somehow, but that's absurd. Other other countries, Switzerland, high, live in high altitudes, yeah. and, and they don't suffer with those ratios. Um, but none seem to suggest, none of the, the reports I've heard seems to suggest that the pressures of the local religion might be a factor. Mm-hmm. Now, so we're going to take a look at that particular possibility, and we're going to also refer to several quotes from early Mormon polygamists to, to up, up until today's present day mm-hmm. leadership to suggest that it might be because they load horrible burdens of shame and guilt on people who fail to live up to a goal of perfection through self-righteous works. And as we work through our discussion, please remember that we're not advising liberal ideas of sexuality. We merely want to discuss the very unhealthy attitudes and extreme hypocrisy of Mormonism towards sexuality. A perfect example is a rather long quote, but very telling, from former President Heber J. Grant. Yeah, this is found in the Improvement Era back in 1941. I want to say also at this time that the crying evil of the age is a lack of virtue. There is but one standard of morality in the Church of Christ. We've been taught, thousands of us who have been reared in this church from our childhood days, that second only to murder is the sin of losing our virtue. And I want to say to the fathers and to the mothers and to the sons and daughters, in our primary, in our mutual improvement associations, in our seminaries and institutes, in Sunday school, in the Relief Society, and in all of our priesthood quorums. It pretty well covers everybody. Yes, sir, it does. I want it understood that the use of liquor and tobacco is one of the chief means in the hands of the adversary, whereby he is enabled to lead boys and girls from virtue. Mm-hmm. Nearly always those who lose their virtue first partake of those things that excite passions within them or lower their resistance and becloud their minds. Partaking of tobacco and liquor is calculated to make them a prey to those things which, if indulged in, are worse than death itself. There is no true Latter-day Saint who would not rather bury a son or daughter than to have him or her lose his or her virtue, realizing that virtue is of more value than anything else in all the whole world. Wow. Now, this was made, like you said, in 1941 by... Have a guilt trip, huh? (laughs) Oh, my by the LDS Church President, whom they consider a prophet, speaks from God. So, and it was published in their church-owned magazine, The Improvement Era. Era. Now notice, he said, there is no true Latter-day Saint who would not rather bury a son or a daughter than have him or her lose her virtue, realizing virtue is of more value than anything else in all the whole wide world, really? (laughs) 
more valuable than anything else in the world. You know what? God said that human life is more valuable. Mm. It's more valuable than anything else that you can think of. We have another quote. There's lots of cho quotes to choose from, and we've got <laughs> <I'm> a few. <laughs> Here's another one, President David O. McKay. Your virtue is worth more than your life. Please, young folk, preserve your virtue even if you lose your lives. And another church president yeah. said that. Yeah. Another top leader, so-called prophet, makes a public statement telling young men exactly what to do when they're faced with a choice. A, cho a choice that most adolescent boys face as they mature. They don't have the ability to refrain from the temptation and the only alternative is to forfeit his life. I mentioned in previous discussions that we were also taught the same nonsense in the polygamy group. Mm. We have another quote. Yeah, from dear old Bruce R. McConkie in <laughs> Mormon Doctrine. Loss of virtue is too great a price to pay even for the preservation of one's life. Better dead clean than alive unclean. Many is the faithful Latter-day Saint parent who has sent a son or a daughter on a mission or otherwise out into the world with the direction, I would rather have you come back in a pine box with your virtue than return alive without it. And many modern-day LDS and polygamous parents quote that, that very mm. sentence yeah. to their children as they grow up. Pine box. It, so it continues mm. on and on and on. Murder and loss of virtue seem to be the two unforgivable sins in Mormonism. So again, we have to ask the question, why do they say they're Christian when they don't believe in what Christ taught, but they teach their own doctrines instead? In Luke chapter 7, Jesus told the sinful woman who anointed him that her sins were forgiven. But to the judgmental religious leaders, he said this. <laughs> yeah, they should listen to this. Matthew 12, 31. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Okay, now we see that the, that there's the sins are forgiven, you yeah. know, all of them except for the one, and that one sin is not murder or loss of virginity. And to sinners everywhere, and we're all sinners, God says this. Two quotes from 1 John. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And secondly, I wrote to you, dear children, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of His name. And so there we have it. There's yeah. the hope that, that is offered to us through Jesus and because of Jesus Christ. God has not made an exception of murder and loss of virtue as Mormonism has done. Now we want to put a webpage article on the screen. It's rather long, but it's on um, it's thoughtsonthingsandstuff.com. But it discusses a particular problem of the Mormon church. By the way, this is also a problem in the Mormon polygamy groups. The article on that website is well worth reading. It tells of a young man named Kip uh, who committed suicide several years ago because he was taught by his Mormon religious leaders that it was better to be dead than to lose his virtue. Can there be any question that attitude leads to suicide? And if you read the entire article, you will see, I think his father ended up suing the Mormon church because of those teachings. Oh. It's a very good article. About Utah's climbing suicide rate, KUTV News said this. Utah suicide rates are skyrocketing and are now the leading cause of death for Utah youth. 
The youth suicide rate has tripled in Utah since 2007. The rate of suicide among Utah adults has been considered high for years, but has not seen a sharp increase like Utah youth ages 10 to 17. As of 2014, it is the leading cause of death over car accidents, said Andrea Hood, a state suicide prevention specialist. The latest Utah data shows 86 youth a Utah youth took their own lives from 2012 to 2014, a shock even to Hood, who deals with the issue on a daily basis. It is definitely a Utah problem. Okay. So we're just leading into the fact that it is increasing. It's increasing among the youth, especially. A Christian woman who is now deceased wrote a book or an article entitled The Mormon Woman, Goddess or Second Class Citizen. <laughs> she was a former Mormon herself, and we quote from her article. That's funny. The real turning point for me occurred one Sunday when at the Mormon meeting a stake official attended, giving a talk on virtue. His concluding remark was that he would rather his son return from his mission in a wooden box than return with his virtue tarnished. Half an hour later, I heard the Episcopal priest speak on forgiveness. His thesis was that God expects us to occasionally fall short. We are human. And this is why he sent his son Jesus to bear the sins of all and provide forgiveness. I knew I was not a Mormon. <laughs> so at that moment, at that, that very something? moment, she realized the difference between biblical grace and right. judgmental Mormonism, yep. and she knew she was not a Mormon at that point. And the principle that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 7 applies to the false and very destructive teaching of Mormonism that we have been discussing. Yeah, Mark chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And that's what well, that, that is. A lot, that's a, the traditions of men. Heber J. Grant said it, and how many have repeated that yeah. since, that very thing since he said that's traditions of men? Yeah. And on verse 13 it says, Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. And that's exactly and that's what, they do. Is what happened. And, and why is purity, a question I've always asked, and I still ask it, why is the purity of the females in polygamy groups uh, expected, and yet the males are expected to have unlimited sex with multiple women? Now, that's a double standard. Now, God's not against purity by any means, but he's certainly against a double standard of uh, men's hypocritical <laughs> rules Gee, like that. Funny? And notice, when Joseph Smith wrote in the Doctrine and Cut, well, we're going to read part of section 132 and let you notice a couple of things in those, these verses. Yeah, these verses 61 through 63. And again, as pertaining to the law of the priesthood, if any man espouse a virgin and desire to espouse another and the first give her consent, and if he espouse the second and they are virgins and have vowed to no other man, then he is justified. He cannot commit adultery for they are given unto him. And if he have ten virgins given unto him by this law, he cannot commit adultery, for they belong to him. And they are given to him, therefore he, is he justified. But if either one or either of the ten virgins, after she is espoused, shall be with another man, she has committed adultery, and shall be destroyed, for they are given unto him to multiply and replenish the earth. And there's the double standard. The sure man can have ten virgins, but the virgin must be only yeah. with that man. And that's the double standard that the polygamy groups use. Yep. The word virgin appears four times in these verses. Now, obviously, polygamy was allowed, according to Smith, if the females were virgins. 
clearly that does not include the LDS long-time myth that polygamy was for the orphans and the widows, right? Because That's widows true. are rarely virgins. Now, Joseph Smith married at least 34 wives. Eleven of those women were married women living with their husbands. Obviously, they were not virgins. Brigham Young married Lucy Ann Decker, who was not divorced from her husband, William Seeley. That's adultery, by the way. Yes. Obviously, she wasn't a virgin. Brigham Young married Augusta Adams, who had been married and divorced in 1847. She was not a virgin. Later, he married her son's ex-wife, <laughs> which means she wasn't a virgin. He married Emily Dow Partridge, a plural widow of Joseph Smith, and also Louisa Beeman, uh, Eliza Snow, and several other women who were not virgins. They had been married previously, and, and they dare to turn around and judge and condemn someone who has lost their virtue. Section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants is a farce for their doctrine of polygamy and and protection of virtue. Mm. Heber C. Kimball had 45 wives, many of them Joseph Smith's widows. One was Hiram Smith's widow, Mary Fielding Smith. They were not virgins. She, he also married several women who were married and not divorced. All this to say he did not follow section 132 on marrying virgins. Parley P. Pratt was killed by an angry husband when Parley stole the wife of another man and yeah. run off with her. Well, obviously, she wasn't a virgin. Isn't it terribly hypocritical for a church with a foundation that is saturated with sexual immorality to preach that virginity is more important than life itself? Yeah. Let's look at a little more historical <clears throat> information to further illustrate Mormonism's strange preoccupation with sex, even as it is preached from their pulpit. This is from D. Michael Quinn, The Mormon Hierarchy. From March 11 of 1848, ben Benjamin Co Covey is ex excommunicated for having sexual intercourse with two girls less than 12 years of age who are his foster daughters. He is rebaptized and serves as Bishop of Salt Lake City, 12th Ward, from, second, from 22nd of February 1849 until 1856. <laughs> So there you have it. He was forgiven. He was forgiven, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to the girls. It'd be interesting to know their story. Uh, On July 16th of 1854, First Counselor Heber C. Kimball recommended decapitation of adulterers, and he preaches from the pulpit concerning unclean women. We wipe them out of existence. What about unclean men? Yeah, well, Not mentioned. He had 45 wives. We're special. <laughs> We're special. <laughs> That's sad. Heber C. Kimball had 45 women. Uh, the next, the next one. one is uh, from the 12th of September, 1858. Church Historian's Office notes discovery this morning of severed head of Provo woman who has been at U.S. military camp for a week. Six weeks earlier, another woman's head is discovered. These are earliest verified examples of someone taking literally the repeated teachings of Mormon leaders that apostates and adulterers should have their heads cut off as blood atonement for their sins. Okay, now here we see the double standard again. Yeah. It's just, it just comes up all throughout the history, the early history, and even to, in today's uh, Mormon in, and polygamy doctrine. We have one more, one quote, more quote from Brigham Young. Yep. Again from D. Michael Quinn. From... 
1866. Brigham Young preaches from the pulpit. Mary, the wife of Joseph, had another husband. On this account, infidels have called the Savior a bastard. He was begotten by God, our Heavenly Father. She was a polyandrist, like the women he authorized in 1857. So it's all authorized by God. It, it's, it, they make up a story about Mary, Mary being, having two husbands, yeah. and so whatever they want to do is okay with them. Why does this religion preach so mm. much about sex from their pulpit? In 2002, Brian David Mitchell was sentenced to life in prison for the kidnapping and rape of 14-year-old Elizabeth Smart. Part of an article written about this event is worth sharing. Mitchell's obviously dealing with some mental issues and the perverted Mormon theology of believing you can become a god with a harem of wives is fertile ground for someone in Mitchell's condition to live out a surreal fantasy in real life. The Mormon prophet Spencer Kimball reiterated previous prophets' claims that men cannot, man cannot be saved without personal revelation. So this shouldn't come as a surprise that someone would have a personal revelation to start his own God world here. This really isn't a whole lot different from what Smith did back in the early 19th century. The people of Mormonism are appalled at Mitchell's behavior, and rightly so, but now we're praying that they, they not only condemn his actions, but the actions of their past and present leaders as well. And that should be done. It should be brought out in the open. Absolutely. And as they're studying this suicide situation, all these things need to be taken into consideration. Why was it okay for Joseph Smith to take 14-year-old brides? But in today's world, it's a crime. Of course, it was a crime back then too, but not if it's from God, I guess. Elizabeth Smart and others have talked about their memories growing up in uh, under Mormon teaching uh, that if a girl is forced into sex, she's like a piece of gum, chewed up and useless, and no one wants that gum anymore. In their religion, she's ruined and may as well be dead. Mm. Another analogy stated that the teacher took a plate of cookies, and she crushed them, and then she sprinkled dirt all over them, and then she asked her class, who wants a cookie? And of course, the cookies represented lost virginity. Mm. Further applying the teaching that you're better off dead than without your virginity. Yet the foundation of Mormonism is the sexual immorality of polygamy, a man who takes to bed dozens of women. Joseph Smith had 34 wives, almost three dozen wives. Brigham Young had 56 wives, almost five dozen wives. Heber C. Kimball had 45 wives, almost four dozen wives. Lorenzo Snow, nine wives. John Taylor, eight wives. Orson Pratt, 10 wives and 45 kids. <laughs> Brian David Mitchell and Warren Jess and Paul Kingston and many other Mormon fundamentalist men are merely following in their leader's footsteps, and that is the foundation of Mormonism. All of Mormonism condemns a sexual immorality. Many of them consider it an unforgivable sin, and that includes the temptation that maturing boys often face. Now, despite the fact that the Bible does not discuss this issue at all, all the boys are made to feel horribly shameful and guilty and are taught that death is a better alternative. And we wonder why our suicide rate is jumping. And when Mormonism adopts the attitudes of Jesus Christ, which are unconditional love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, the suicide rate will begin to drop. And we quote from a recent article in the Salt Lake Tribune.
<clears throat> Utah's suicide rate has shot up 46.5% since 1999, making it the fifth highest in the nation. It is a crisis that has led Governor Gary Herbert to create a youth suicide task force and state lawmakers to fund a new staffer to study why Utahns have died by suicide. And of course, we hold out very little hope that the governor's task force will take into consideration the yeah. religious doctrine that plays so heavily um, in the reason for Utah suicide statistics yeah. being so high. Um, shortly after the article about Utah suicide rate came out, a definitely non-scientific poll <laughs> was taken on a Facebook page. It was more for interest than anything else, but it was interesting and really quite accurate. The question was, what do people think the reason for the high number of suicides in Utah? And mm -hmm. so they, here's some of their answers. Responses. Yeah. They believe the mythical lowest kingdom is better than this life. When despair hits them, they reason it's, better, it's a better place than this. There is too much religious guilt, obligation, shame, unforgiveness, shunning and works. The Bible calls it burdens and a yoke that is too heavy to bear. So what do you think about that? Do you think that's a big reason, the shame and the guilt? And I do. The I do. inability to perform? Whether it's sexual or coming home early from a mission or being a, a, a single parent who doesn't fit the mold of Mormonism, all those things. Uh, and, and then we talked earlier about the quote I think Joseph Smith made that it's that uh, if you saw the celestial kingdom, the lowest kingdom, that you'd kill yourself to get there. It's so nice you'd kill yeah. yourself to get there. Which, which kind of uh, you know, alleviates some of that fear, maybe, of what's mm -hmm. going to happen. Well, I'll end up in the celestial kingdom. So. It'll be better than here. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. I think that's what it, a big part of it. Another uh, remark or response to that question was, the LDS have to be perfect so they can earn godhood, which is impossible, <laughs> when you can't live up to the perfection required by the church. Well, why try? Yeah. Here's another one. It is called despair, being advised that children are a lifestyle choice by the LDS church and advised to get rid of them if I wanted assistance. This type of behavior has become all too common in Utah and is one of the reasons that I quit Mormonism. I went to them for assistance to feed my children and then being advised to get rid of the children was the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. However, this hypocrisy creates a lot of stress, hence the ever-increasing suicide rate. Help is available, but too many. The big question is where to turn for help when the LDS Church has such a wide swinging influence in state affairs, even for non-Mormons. And it's too bad that they have non-professional counselors that will counsel people True. to do things like this, which yeah. I've heard a lot of complaints about that through the years yeah. as well. Uh, another response to that question was there are lots of, there is a lot of pressure living in Utah. You work harder, you're supposed to do better, do more, be better, still not good enough, and it's endlessly repeated. <laughs> and that's the way it is. It's just, yeah. and you know, it reminds me of um, actually a verse that I adopted for this ministry to the polygamist women. That's Matthew 11, 28 through 30, where Jesus invites them, come to me. Mm -hmm. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, so I, because I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That just isn't a message that... Uh Mormons generally adhere to. I mean, they, they know they it, don't. Yeah, they, they know the verses there, but they, they don't, don't even know it. what it means. They don't live it. No. The yoke that they have that causes the suicide is the very thing Jesus says, 
They're not ready. I've got grace and forgiveness over yeah. here. Come to me. Don't they're go not, to the church. Come to me. Yeah, they're not resting at all mm -mm. in Jesus. Not resting in Jesus at all. That's a, such a beautiful concept from somebody that's ra raised on performance yes. and works. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't teach and they don't understand the infinite grace of God through Jesus Christ. They cannot comprehend a religion without self-righteous works, forced guilt and shame on the sinner, and forgiveness without penance. God's mercy and grace is, to, is so foreign to them, and they're striving for perfection is such a driving force that pressure on the younger generation breaks them down, and suicide seems the better choice. Instead of placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, they place it in the church, and their church system has very little mercy. This includes all the Mormon polygamy groups. And sadly, their church is so preoccupied with its image that they hold in higher value than the humans that make up its church. There's some interesting scriptures from Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. You blind guide, you strain out at a gnat, but swallow a camel. And that's what the virtue thing is, I yeah. think. They're straining out a gnat and, and swallowing and a camel swallowing with that. And swallowing a camel. And verses 26 through 28, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And I bring this up mostly because what did they do when Jesus talked to them that way? It didn't, they didn't take it to heart. They no. turned around and went off and, and figured out how they could kill Jesus. Yeah. And they ended up killing him. Yeah. They ended up having him crucified. And so what, what is the message here? What, what's the message? First of all, we're not against sexual purity. That's not what we're saying at all. No. But we are for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. No. And there is no sin so great that Jesus uh, will not forgive. And he will not... Um, he will not give you the guilt and the shame and 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 continually pound it on into your head what a sinner you are and the the good works that you must do to make up for the sin that you've committed yeah my yoke is easy my burden is light he's paid for our sins and what a blessing that is and it understand is his grace and and his righteousness not our own righteousness, but exactly. his righteousness. And it's his righteousness we mm -hmm. get. And you know, by saying that, that, that God demands these things from them, is bearing false witness against God. Oh, I guess it is. That's true. And, and we're not supposed to bear false witness, especially against God. You yeah, know? So, true. So we just hope that people will watch this and turn to Jesus, turn to his grace. He died for our sins. That's why he died. Not for our good works, not for self-righteous good works, but we're all sinners and we all fail in certain areas and one sin is no worse to God than another sin and don't be don't carry guilt 
Mm -hmm. you know, don't, uh, and God takes our sin away. He takes our shame and our guilt away when we turn to Jesus. Yeah. Well, thank you, Earl. I you appreciate your part of this, you know. And, and we may have to do more shows about the shaming and the shunning, which is part of this Mormon cultural. It just doesn't stop. It no, continues no. on and on. So prevalent. And it's devastating how they deal with the failures of others. In Mormonism, family is so honored that it's almost idolatry. Yet, if one member of a family makes a choice that the other members don't like, suddenly that one person is treated as an enemy. And we wonder why, especially when Jesus said, love our enemies. Yeah, this culture refuses to respect the family member who chooses not to believe what they believe. That treatment is neither Christ-like, nor is it following Jesus. But it is unspeakable cruelty to the family member whom they treat so shabbily. What happened to free choice in Mormonism? What happened to grace and mercy? No wonder Utah's suicide rate continues to climb. Thanks for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.